Hey team, this is Grant David Collins, and welcome to Basement Philanthropy, a place where people do not want to wait until they're rich or retired to create meaning, impact, and connection with their time, talents, and money, regardless of the amount. On this episode, we're going to be talking about compassion fatigue, so let's get started. Getting involved with compassionate work, both professionally or from a volunteer standpoint, is often portrayed as fulfilling, joyful, and well-managed. In fact, if you look up any website or social media account of a hospital, social service provider, or nonprofit, you'll almost always be met with pictures and videos of happy, smiling people working to build a brighter and more hopeful world. Now, I'm not going to drop a huge bomb here, but you can probably see where I am going with this. While it's true that you can really find joy and fulfillment by getting involved in the world around you, Unfortunately, this holistic, happy view doesn't tell the full story of what it means to truly give of yourself, and it can really cause a lot of people to experience whiplash when they are faced with the reality of what giving really costs when you truly want to make an impact. Much of the experience of giving, and you've probably experienced this if you are listening to this podcast is hard, messy, and at times very emotionally draining. And if you need further evidence of this fact, you you don't need to look any further than the broadly documented high burnout and turnover rates in helping professions. Things like nursing or social workers or people that work for nonprofits. Now, Volunteers and everyday givers aren't immune to these impacts either. And many people that are drawn to giving do not stay consistently involved because they dive in too deep, too fast, and end up becoming overwhelmed. And this podcast, the reason why we are doing this podcast, the reason why we talk every single week is to help people be better Givers. And one of the biggest piece of being able to do that is to be able to consistently stay around. And so this challenge that comes up when people start to see the holistic piece of giving um, can can often turn people away. And, And those that do stay often stick around at a reduced capacity because the overwhelming connection and happiness they were promised in these curated volunteer marketing efforts isn't the only thing they are taking home with them. Real giving has a real emotional and physical cost. And if we are not prepared, it is so easy to stay on the sidelines of giving, which is the exact opposite of what we need right now in our world. I can remember the first time I faced this seemingly contradictory experience of when giving is both invigorating and draining all at the same time. 
A few years ago, I started helping out at a local food pantry. And at first, I volunteered in ways that didn't involve the actual people that the pantry served. You know, I, I helped out with things like food drives or volunteered in their warehouse or organized baby supplies that was donated by my local church congregation. And it was meaningful and fulfilling work. And because it was arm's length, because I didn't actually interact with the people that were being helped by this nonprofit, I didn't really ever come home burdened by the cause I was assisting with. And this initial experience that I had with this food pantry made me want to reach out to the actual people that were coming in. And so a couple weeks after I got done with one particular service experience, I decided that I was going to sign up to actually help in the pantry. So early one afternoon, I showed up at the pantry to actually serve those people who were in need, to help them with what they call the shopping experience. Now, this particular pantry operated similar to a small grocery store where families in need, they, they got to walk around and have somewhat of a choice of the food they were going to receive. Now, my particular job that day was to assist the families as they were selecting what they needed for dinner. Now, each individual food item was labeled with a quantity chart that showed how much of the items these individuals or families could have. And I remember as I was going through the training that it it all made perfect logical sense. And it was all like really focused on efficiency. And I, I was really impressed by how they had things set up. But as I started to help, the reality of what we were doing began to set in. And this wasn't anything that the pantry had done wrong. Like the way that they had things set up, it wasn't like inhumane or like didn't treat people as individuals. No, it it really did a great job. But But I can still remember helping a young mother pick out just three cans of vegetables. And there was a, a limited selection, so she didn't even really have a big, broad choice in what she could take. And although she was really grateful, I think her and I both knew that it wouldn't be enough to fully feed her large family. And this work was was deeply moving and, and eye-opening for me. And it, it it was it was that way in 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 a way that that wasn't previously happening when I was doing things arm's length, and you know I had heard that that people were hungry in my community, but I had never actually seen it up close. And when I got home from that first time in the pantry, you know I felt this familiar feeling of fulfillment, but it was accompanied by a new feeling of fatigue that wasn't as familiar to me. Now, this fatigue stayed with me. And in some ways, it got worse as I reflected on the unfairness of life. You know, I, I, I had just experienced this moment of walking families through needing help with food, like the, the very bare necessities that we have as human beings. And, and I came home and I looked at my own pantry and I saw an overwhelming selection of food that I could choose from. And, and not only that, 
I realized that I could go to a grocery store and pick out whatever I wanted and in really whatever quantity I wanted. Like it didn't even have to worry about the total at the checkout line. And it was just, it just dawned on me that this was such a privilege that, that I had that, that I hadn't ever really been hungry myself. And although this feeling of fatigue, uh, came and went over the next few months, uh, it really began to accompany me in most of the giving that I got involved with. And in some ways, I, I learned to accept it as part of the equation. You know, it, it didn't seem normal. It, it did feel like there was something that was, was draining me. And, and so when Amber, the producer of, of this podcast, suggested that we do a show on something she called compassion fatigue. My curiosity took me down a deep rabbit hole around this concept because finally I had some language to talk about this fatigue that continued to follow me throughout my giving experience, especially as I started to get involved with more hands-on projects. Now, compassion fatigue is a term that is described by physicians as the physical, emotional, and psychological impact of helping others. And although burnout can accompany compassion fatigue, they are not actually the same thing. Compassion fatigue deals directly with the impact that occurs when giving a part of ourselves to others, while burnout can be caused by many different other factors. Surprisingly, I quickly learned that compassion fatigue is a medical diagnosis. And like other medical conditions, it has a wide variety of symptoms and levels of severity. But in general, the main symptoms are mood swings, experiencing detachment, anxiety or depression, trouble being productive, insomnia, and some physical symptoms can include exhaustion, fatigue, change in appetite, digestive issues, and headaches. You know, I, I kind of feel like I am one of the narrators in those drug commercials, like giving may cause exhaustion, fatigue, change in appetite, digestive issues, and headaches. Make sure you contact your doctor if you are experiencing any of these things. Like, oh, it, it sounds it sounds a little bit scary. And, and I think it is in some respects. Like, it is something that we need to be aware of because nobody wants to fill those things. And so as as humans that are, are attempting to protect ourselves, it's so easy to start to experience these types of things and go back into our bubbles, go back into our shells and just forget that the world is out there. Forget that people are hurting and are hungry and can use our help. And, you know, we're just going to stay in our lane and not get out of that. And and that's why I want to speak into this. I want to call it out by name because as we are able to see what it is, we can do something about it. And while compassion fatigue is often diagnosed in full-time professionals that, that work in trauma day in and day out, 
I started to realize that with limited exposure to suffering that surrounds us all, you know, you and I are vulnerable to experiencing compassion fatigue because we're not used to it. We don't have endurance in this area. And so we can fill it faster than those people who are involved with it on a day-to-day basis because in some ways they are used to it. Now, a, a few weeks ago, we did an episode entitled Don't Be an Ostrich. And if you haven't listened to it, it, it was a great episode and I'll link it in the description below. But in this episode, I compared the skill set of giving to learning how to ski in the mountains. And I use this simile to highlight the need to develop our skill as givers before we take on too much and expose ourselves to the dangers that the slopes or these giving experiences that we're not prepared for can have on us. And developing emotional resilience is a major part of developing your skill as a giver. And if I were to guess, like throw out just an anecdotal guess, where people tend to bite off more than they can chew when it comes to giving, it is definitely in this emotional side of the equation. And, and I think the reason why that is, is, is because it's so easy, like we see this in the mental health space, it's so easy to go to the doctor for a broken arm or like a pain in your stomach. It is much harder to go and talk about things that are mental and emotional, even though they can be just as challenging. And so the same thing happens with our volunteering and and giving. And you know, we may come up with excuses like, you know, I don't have enough time or whatever it might be. But but in a lot of cases, I do sense that this underlying emotional challenge of giving is what actually gets in the way of people returning consistently. Now, we we are going to be spending a ton of time in the coming episodes going over how to develop emotional resiliency. It's, it's that important that we're going to be talking about it pretty often in this podcast. Um, but, you know, in this episode, I, I just simply wanted to introduce that compassion fatigue is a real thing that you might experience during your own giving journey and that it is normal and does not make you a bad person or, or a bad giver. And in some ways, like we have to call it out so that we can be aware of it so that we can both prevent it and address it if it comes up in our experience. And as I was reading through, you know, articles and studies getting ready for this podcast, I, I discovered some suggestions on how to address compassion fatigue. Now, these are going to be super high level. And again, we're going to be digging into this more over the next couple months. But I thought it was, was really interesting what these studies came up with. They talked about addressing compassion fatigue by staying hydrated, uh, getting a sufficient amount of sleep, staying active, finding people to talk to about your experiences, and making sure you take time away from what you are doing to give yourself a break. And 
You know, it's it's kind of funny that the more that I dig into giving as a skill, the more I see the value in comparing it to physical performance. Living a well-rounded, healthy lifestyle helps in so many areas of our lives, including our ability to give to others. So if for some reason you have been experiencing this compassion fatigue, you can try looking at your life and seeing like, oh man, maybe I should be drinking more water or eating a little bit healthier or having someone that I can talk to about my feelings that isn't going to judge what I'm saying and is going to have space to listen to your experience. I I think that that may be a, a fairly crucial piece to this equation. You know, I I once heard that while taking care of yourself first can seem rather selfish, it is crucial to build the capacity you need to help and lift others. And I I truly believe that and have experienced that myself. And, And I have been working personally to get to a better place where I can prepare for and work through both the joys and the challenges that giving presents. And if you find yourself experiencing compassion fatigue, like yourself, you're feeling this sense of what we've been talking about, like, please don't take it as a sign that you should stop giving. See it simply as a warning light in a car that needs to be checked out before you go very much further. Like, you wouldn't get mad at your car for letting you know that something was wrong, so don't get mad at yourself for doing the same thing. You are so needed in this work. I I wish I could just stress that more and more every single week. So please take care of yourself so that you can better take care of others. Well, team, that's it for me. Let's go out in the world and create good with our time, talents, and money together. And and look out for compassion fatigue and, and not let it get in our way of making this world a better place. Talk soon.